Hey, 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 ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. This is another episode of the Archipreneur Now podcast, episode 67. Ooh, and I am pumped to have you here today. Uh, I'm still on the road editing, and, and it's such an amazing thing to be able to take this kind of technology up and down and all around with you and, and make it happen. So, thank you all for being here and, and listening. I hope that you will find massive amounts of fist pumping value in this episode. I've got on Steve Chu from MyWifeQuitterJob.com. Such a clever name, uh, a brilliant guy that I was connected to via John Corcoran, the Grandmaster Blaster of networking that I had on an earlier episode. And Steve is amazing. He's he's built this insane business because he basically said, when my wife gets pregnant, you know, I don't want her to work anymore. So what are we going to do? And he built this platform, MyWifeQuitterJob.com, showing exactly what he did and how he did it uh, with product sales and, and e-commerce. And, and it's extremely interesting stuff. He's got the podcast. He's got the website. But he is also a graduate of Stanford, and he's an electrical engineer. I mean, he works he works with electronics, and that's what he does for fun. He never quit his job because that is something that he truly enjoys doing, and he makes a, a good living doing it. But he has built this powerful system on the side, which is so fascinating to me, these sidepreneurs um, and, and the power they can have it to change your life. I mean, think about it. Think about your wife getting pregnant, you're bringing a kid on, you, most people start to freak out, they start to struggle, uh, and they don't really know what to go after that direction. But Steve literally said, well, she's going to quit her job. I want to support this. And that's exactly what he did. He built this on the side, and now they've got a double whammy going. So um, I actually had a previous guest, Jason Berwick, who told me that he has followed Steve um, when I mentioned his name to him. And, and that's and that's pretty funny because Jason has learned how to do the same kind of stuff online with eBay and with some e-commerce. So awesome value here, guys. I'm pumped that you're here, ladies and gentlemen. So sit back, relax, get a little funky, unbutton that shirt, you know, a couple buttons, let that belly hang out. Don't play with your belly button. I had a creepy uh, roommate in college who used to sit there and pluck his belly button and say, ah, you want to play with my belly button? And I mean, <laughs> it was... It was freakish. It still haunts me to this day. So, all right, everybody. Episode 67. Here we go. And for all the show notes, artsynow.com forward slash 67. And if you all want to get on there and get um, a free ebook, top 50 secrets and tips from the world's uh, top creative entrepreneurs, check that out on artsynow.com. You can just hit your email in there and it'll give you that book as. All of the advice is directly from this show and all the amazing guests that I've had. So once again, artsynow.com forward slash 67 for these show notes. And here we go. Come on, everybody. Let me hear that beat. Come on, come on, everybody. Let me hear that stinky, stinky, rinky, dinky beat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, here we go now. To get a little bit funky out there. Who wants to get a little creative out there, huh? Yeah. Which one of you wants to get a little bit artsy now? Well, then get on with your bad selves. Yeah. 
better get both fists out and start fist pumping them like crazy because my guest today is bringing the bowl to the term entrepreneur. From elementary school and on, he knew he wanted to dominate electrical engineering, and he did just that at Stanford. He's a champion, and he's built a platform online to help his wife quit her job. He's here to help you do the same and spend more time with your loved ones, just like he's doing every day. He is the founder of MyWifeQuitterJob.com and the podcast, <laughs> a skidamarinkity-dinkity-dink, a skidamarinkity-doo-hoo, Steve Chew, yoo-hoo, are the entrepreneur now. What's up, man? Hey, man. Glad to be here. You know, that intro was awesome. I was thinking about just coming on like totally deadpan with no energy at all. That would have been pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be the first time that that would have happened. <laughs> Some you know, you know how it is like since you do a podcast sometimes you do you introduce someone and they're like all excited and energetic and then other times you just get like a, hey, hey, <laughs> hey what's, what's up, up man yeah yeah <laughs> and sometimes that will set how the rest of the interview goes I mean you could you could be really struggling to get through that thirty minutes or it could go through in a blink of an eye who knows it could depends on what you ask man. It depends. It depends yep. on what makes people fist pump and what gets their energy out, jive in, pulling the pants down, running around, acting like hooligans. Who knows? I have no prior knowledge of what you're going to ask me just for the readers or the listeners. No <laughs> idea. No idea. Correct. That is correct. So, Steve, you have this amazing platform that you have built and you come from a background that I guess in college you did focus a little bit on entrepreneurship, but you were in electrical engineering and you've kind of been a go-getter your entire life. And there's some random facts that I've got here about you. And one of them includes how in the sixth grade you were a member of an honors course, which was singing a group composed of about 30 kids. <laughs> you thought you could sing pretty well until the conductor told you just to mouth the words and pretend like you were singing. So you were failing, failing, failuring young man dude yeah so i i see you've dug into the archives of of the uh that post was supposed to be uh private i, I don't know how you guys got that stuff it's a very but yeah very big yeah. world out there man huge strike to the ego <laughs> well the only other one i was going to mention is that i thought was really funny was about the speech that you gave um <laughs> oh yeah where you were basically making fun of yourself the entire speech, but you didn't know that that you were actually you thought you were talking about a historic Chinese leader. Uh, yeah, just to get some school. context for that, uh, my dad used to force me to enter these Chinese speech contests, and my Chinese was never that good, so he just made me memorize it, and I kept winning. And I just realized, you know, as I was giving that speech, like the whole speech was me making fun of myself, and I thought I was talking about some historic leader. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I would have I would have killed to have been in that situation just for the just for the story later on in life. Well, it's like everyone was laughing at me, and I had no idea. I was like, "Wow, this Chinese history must be pretty funny." Yeah, like I didn't pee my pants or anything. What's the deal? <laughs> <laughs> but that's something that I oh I definitely did that when I was a kid. I I took a swing at home plate in a little league game. I remember and just pissed myself right there and. <laughs> my, dad, my dad still tells that story, so I, maybe I should put that on my about page. You should, yeah. It's an interesting fact. Or in the archives where nobody else can find it. Well, clearly I didn't do a good job yeah. since you found them. So yeah. You're going to have to step that up, man. <laughs> so 
you, you've created this platform. My wife quit her job. Can you take me back um, from where you decided to start heading towards that, how it evolved really? Because everybody I get on this show, it's amazing how what they started at evolved into what they're doing right now. And it's it's always a unique roller coaster ride full of you know fist bumps and killing. Yeah, and for sure. So can you start there? Yeah. So, I mean, even before that site, uh, when my wife and I, we were still working full-time jobs, she used to hate her job. And so, you know, every morning she would leave her work and she would basically tell me, Hey honey, uh, I'm off to the hell hole. I call my job now. And, uh, she would go to work, come back. And it was just this monotonous routine that we were both going through. So one day, you know, we decided we want to start a family and she became pregnant with our first child. And she just told me flat out, I'm going to quit my job and, and take care of our kid. And that, that was kind of our philosophy, right? We found it important to have a parent stay at home with the child. Uh, problem was is that where we live, so we live in the Silicon Valley, in order to get a house in a good school district, pretty much need two incomes. And so what we did was we decided to start an online business so that my wife could stay at home and take care of the kids while still maintaining our you know, current revenue sources. And that's actually how we started BumblebeeLinens.com. That was actually our e-commerce store. And I don't know how much depth you want me to go into just that backstory. Were, were these were these what they sound like? Like literally Bumblebee Linens? We sold wedding handkerchiefs, actually. Oh, nice. Uh, backstory from that real quick is um, back when we got married, my wife, you know, we spent a lot of money on photography, and my wife knew she was going to cry at the altar. But she didn't want to be seen using these nasty tissues, you know, in the photos and stuff. So we looked all over the place for handkerchiefs, could not find them anywhere in the U.S. And finally, we found this place in China, but you had to import a whole bunch. So we ended up buying, a, you know, a couple hundred of these. We used like three or four of them, and then we sold the rest on eBay, and they sold like hotcakes. Hmm. And so when it came time for us to start our business, we kind of got back in touch with that vendor. And we decided to just launch a full-blown store selling wedding handkerchiefs. <laughs> and yet, you know, everyone always laughs, right? But that little store ended up doing six figures in profit in the first year. And it's been growing the double and triple digits ever since. Yeah, it's amazing. You never know what you're going to run into if you just test some things out and, and test the water. I've got a buddy, Jason Berwick, who does Jason's Epic Quest. And he diddles around with some things on um, eBay. I don't know exactly to the extent of it, but it's, I think he has some kind of connection to a vendor um, that also would supply to like a TJ Maxx, mm -hmm. but he said it pretty, pretty good there as, as well. And he, you know, he was able to leave his job and it's pretty awesome to, to see stuff like that. Cause it pumps me up. <laughs> it's always the random things, you know, that, that seem to sell well. I Nobody mean, else is trying yeah. that, I guess. Exactly. You never know what kind of a demand is going to be out there. Yeah. So, you know, the store was successful and, you know, all of my friends were starting to have kids around the same time. And so they started asking us, you know, how we launched their store because they wanted to quit their jobs and hang out with their kids as well. And that's kind of how my wife quit her job.com was born. Basically a blog where I talked about our experiences running our online store. Yeah, well. And, uh, so I, I did that for a couple of years and then the readers started asking me for, you know, formal instruction on how to start an online store. And so that's when I ended up launching my info product, which was, you know, profitableonlinestore.com. Basically, it was a course that I launched with zero content. 
I basically just put it out there. I did a webinar and just had people sign up on the promise that I'd put out good content. And I've been running that for the past three years, actually. Got over uh, 800 students at this point. How many signed up originally? 35. Wow. So when you have 35 people sign up for something that you have no content for, I guess that hits the accountability factor in immediately and you start pumping it out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's tremendous pressure to start pumping out content uh, right away because these people are essentially prepaying on on your reputation, right? Mm -hmm. So did you have them on like an email list or that? How did you get in contact with the first 35 people? Uh, you mean once they signed up or yeah. like how did, how did they come to the sign up process? Was it through your blog traffic? Yeah, it was all through blog traffic. In fact, yeah. people were asking for it. So I, I knew, you know, going into that webinar that it was going to sell. I just didn't know how many copies I'd sell. Yeah. Well, that's pretty exciting. So yeah, it was a rush. Um, just the whole webinar thing was kind of a rush too. Cause I had no idea how many people were going to show up. Yeah. How many years ago was that? That was in 2011. Cool. So that, it's not really not that long ago, but I, if you think about it in like internet marketing terms and how many things change between now and then, I'm sure you've had quite the adventure in those three and a half years. Yeah, no, it's been fun. I mean, it's been a blast. And like I said, now I help people find those obscure products to sell online. So, <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any like s stories of people that you have helped? What kind of products that they've gotten a hold of and been able to make successful? Yeah, I'll give you a funny story. Um, so I have one guy who sells uh, leatherworking supplies. And what's funny is uh, one of his top customers are people in China that are trying to make knockoff bags. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're buying the tools because these are authentic tools used by master leather crafters. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if it's for sure that's for the knockoffs, but I, I think that's what it is. But, you know, they're buying large volumes of these tools so they can make their own bags. <laughs> Um, yeah, I got ran. So another student is, uh, he sells like washer toss games. Another student sells personalized bathrobes. Uh, another student sells wall decals, like all, all across the board. So it's pretty random. These students, when they come to you, do, do they have any like particular skills with uh, WordPress or websites or do they have a general knowledge of how to use platforms like that to be able to set this up or can you bring somebody in who basically has no experience at all and and teach them how to you know set up one of these stores selling uh this these random items that you're getting from across the world i would say like over 90 percent of them have have no prior knowledge or experience in this matter most of them have never launched a business in the first place and a, most of them actually have no web design experience or has or they've never put up a website ever. Yeah. So, do you think it would help them if they if they did know how to do any of that? Yeah, I mean, it always helps for sure. Always helps. But you know, these days, honestly, to to put up a an online store, there's all these fully hosted platforms out there that do all the work with you uh, for you, and all you got to do is basically get your products online and take your own photos. Yeah. So, is there a lot of marketing involved? How to there drive is. traffic to them? Yes, absolutely. Is the driving force. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah could be pretty interesting where's the what what site would you have to go to 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 get involved with that stuff uh are you asking for the url of my class or yeah uh it's at profitableonlinestore.com cool what a domain 
surprised it was available actually i got a um, i got how to start podcasting.com the other day for like 10 bucks it was that's just, crazy i just that's saw a good one. it yeah it, it, i literally was just typing around for random podcasting stuff to see what was available and that one popped up and i was like well i guess i have to buy this one just because i feel like that would be in at least somewhat of demand who knows <laughs> i'm just gonna put a picture of me up there smiling with like a you know tank top on and some daisy dukes or something daisy dukes <laughs> you never know out here in kentucky man I, I don't know what you look like heath but i have this <laughs> mental picture so just imagine like tall skinny white pale daisy dukes long blonde hair <laughs> might be what you see out in california a lot minus the pale <laughs> you never know man all right so away from that Extremely interesting stuff, man. I know on your show you you talk with people all the time. I mean, successful entrepreneurs and people who do all these amazing things um, about bootstrapping business. And one of the huge things I took away from your episodes today was it's entirely possible for anybody to do it. After listening oh, yeah. through a couple episodes, uh, Corbett Barr from Fizzle, which I love. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of that was a really, really good episode. And I suggest everybody go check that out. But through talking to all these people, what what do you think some of the repetitive uh, tips or pieces of advice that they bring onto the shows are uh, something that you see over and over again, similarities between them? I think all the successful guys end up persisting in whatever they try for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people give up really early when they don't get early traction. And so, oh, the other thing that's very common on the people that succeed is that they're willing to do the legwork. You know, all the grunt work involved in getting your early customers, people that fail, and you know, I, I run a class, so I, I see I see this a lot too. People just, they put something up and then they think that they're done. You know, the hard part's over with. Mm-hmm. They don't realize that it's the grind. Um you know, to get those initial customers in the door. Yeah. So it's a hell of a grind. It is. And a lot of them are waiting for like the, the Google spigot to kind of open up. <laughs> uh, you know, that, that takes a lot of time in itself. Yeah. Now more than ever. Yeah, exactly. It's insanity. I, I think you really do have to just beast out, beast out work. And I'm, I'm talking like, if you want to do anything, you do have to be extremely persistent. Uh, you have to surrender to it and just literally surgically, you know, dive into it and figure out what works, what doesn't and, and chase it. Cause I think persistence is going to be the driving force behind anything that actually comes to success down the road. And you know, the, the guys who are successful, they're not looking at how much money they can make in a year or six months or whatnot. The guys that are successful, they kind of look out like, three to five years, yeah. you know, on what they can accomplish then. So it's definitely not a short-term mentality for the guys who are doing well. Do you do any visualizing like that? Because I know, you know, I've got a visualize, visualization board, and when I look at my goals, I literally will go out, you know, five years, and then I usually break them back down into 100-day segments. But when I think long-term, you know, I, I always, every single day, take a little bit of time to imagine where I want to be over and over again. And I really do think you can train your mind uh, to, to, you know, make those habits and, and do things unconsciously that you used to have to force yourself to do. So mm-hmm. do you think that that is, is a thing that you uh, have a role in in your life too? 
I mean, I don't have a vision board, but when I f- first started mywifequitterjob.com, for example, I kind of had this five-year plan to profitability. Mm-hmm. Um, the first couple years was just straight-out content and just trying to get as many people reading and on my email list as possible. And it was only after I've already established a base of readers did I actually even try to monetize it. And so the course actually was never a part of the plan. Um, when you start teaching people, it's amazing what can happen, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm glad I did it, and I'm glad that uh, the readers actually asked me to put something out there. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have done it. Yeah. If, if you reach out and just ask somebody, they're going to want to help you do it. You're a prime example of it. And I, I get emails all the time as well, and and I'm in the process of – putting some amazing things together, but it does take time and it does take persistence. And I still have a day job. So yeah, so do I. Yeah. It's (laughs) it's pretty awesome. You know, you get to do that all day and then you fist bump. And I was going to ask you that actually, are you still doing anything in the electrical engineering? I am. Yeah. So I, um, I design microprocessors for a living, like stuff that goes in the iPhone digital cameras, um, to do the processing. Usually I stop there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like a pretty, pretty amazingly interesting job to have. So I I try to always stress to people that it's okay to have a day job because if you look at it in the right way, which is this is your money hustle, this is what is allowing you the opportunity to be able to do all these other amazing things on the side. Uh, I think that if you, if you switch your mindset, it's a very powerful tool. Mm -hmm. Here's what I think about it. You know, these days everything is going into tech, right? Mm -hmm. And jobs are getting replaced by tech. So the guys who are creating the tech aren't going to get replaced by the tech. So that's true. That's why I keep my foot in that door. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So do you have any, this is a creative podcast, so I like to get into this a little bit, but do you have any favorite creative influencers that you can think of from growing up? Uh, did you get into any music? Did you get into any arts? Uh, did you get into any movies or whatever? whatever the hell else we used to get into as kids? You know, like any Asian, I played the piano. I did, uh, actually, one thing that really helped me out was debate team. I don't know if you guys had that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, just learning how to argue and then speak out in public, that was a very useful skill that I picked up early on. Um, really into sports, I, you know, I wouldn't consider myself an artsy guy. Maybe you got the wrong guy, Heath. You no, sure you got the right no, guy? No, 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 no. no. This is this is creative all around, man. You can't feed me that. I think everybody has got creativity in them. Um, now, you talk about the debate team. You, you're making microprocessors. Think about that. There's no there's no dull moment when it comes to creating anything. But uh, when when you look at what you think as a child and the experiences that you have, especially um, to an extent of the things that you used to put your hands on and make when you were a kid. Uh, and then be a part of these groups that you were a part of, like you were a part of the debate team. Those, I think those core principles as a child, like really do have a drastic effect on who you turn out to be later in life. And a lot of these kids that are deprived of activities like that or playing the piano, um, it, it might take them a little longer to catch on. So you've probably taken those principles of the debate team and you've been able to use them and, and capitalize on them as you got older, as well as, <laughs> Whatever else you might have been doing, sports, black belts. You got a you got a black belt in Taekwondo, don't you? Yeah, you just know my whole bio, don't you, man? 
I told you I got the uh, pre-show research, man. Yeah, seriously, I have to get your guy and hire them. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll connect you. <laughs> you, you've got no idea the power of the information in my hands right now, man. You know, here's what's funny. Like, I used to hate writing when I grew up, uh, you know, as I was growing up. Um, and just, I never thought that I'd be writing for a blog. Yeah. Uh, it's just really odd. And, you know, to this day, to a certain extent, I still dislike writing, but it's just a great way to get the word out. I think so. that I was the same way, to be honest. I didn't even used to, I, I used to painfully push myself through like reading anything. Uh, and now I just cannot stop reading constantly to a point where I have to literally limit myself on, you know, when I stop reading. And that, that's why it's so amazing because people can change on a whim. As long as you get into something, something might trigger something amazing. And then you can just, you know, fist pump. And that's usually my go-to for everything. Yeah. I mean, I never used to read that much either. And now I just read about internet marketing all the time or just e-commerce stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I listen to podcasts nonstop when driving around and, and, it's pretty amazing. So, well, what do you think your all your ultimate long term goal is with with the business? I mean, I know you never meant to get into writing. You never really planned on getting into building that course. Uh, what do you think you're going to do in the future? You think you're just going to stumble on something else that might uh, come from an open door? Or do you have plans on how you see it going now that you have a family? Uh, do you want to pull back a little bit? Do you want to travel the world? What exactly uh, do you envision? You know, all the businesses that we ever created were really just to hang out more with the family. Mm -hmm. And so my, you know, that first e-commerce store was so my wife could quit and hang out with the kids. And then my blogging course was so that I could eventually quit my job and hang out as well. And uh, just last year actually was the first time that the blog revenue exceeded my day job. So I'm actually poised now to take that next leap. And dive in? Full, full time? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's hard to give up tech. So to answer the, the second half of your question, I'm thinking in my future, I will probably try to create some sort of hardware software device that kind of keeps my foothold in tech so I don't give that up. Because mm -hmm. you give up tech for even a year and you kind of become obsolete. That's the scary thing about it. Yeah, it is. That's 100% true. Even with... <laughs> with web design and things like that. You know, I do a lot of websites and it just changes so fast. It's like, yeah, I go to these schools around here, accelerators. Um, do, cause I've been trying to learn how to do mobile apps, which mm -hmm. it, iOS is a whole nother animal. If you, I, I'm more of a, I kind of grew up doing the PHP, CSS, JavaScript stuff. And so I want to look at objective C and things like that. It just makes my head explode. But yeah, these kids in there, they're like six years old and they're just like blowing us out of the water. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Those guys learn so fast and they grew up with it. So I know. And it's insane how fast they learn. It kind of makes you feel like, wow, I, I, now I understand, you know, when my parents looked at me when I was on a computer as a kid, showing them how to do things, they were like, what do you mean? And now I understand looking back at these kids that are just like coding up storms and you're like, wow, that's incredible. That's cool. So what are you working on? You working on an app or? Yeah, I've got a couple of them that I'm trying to get, bring to life, I guess is a better way to say. Um, 
I'm really good at doing the designs and getting the prototypes done. And then when it comes to actually making them, it's always a pain in the ass uh-huh. and, and lots of, I mean, new ideas every single day. But my goal this year is to get one literally in the project form so that I can get just one out in the app store that I've made myself, not something that's reskinned. You know, mm-hmm. I just want to create something and put it out there. So it's pretty fun. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, that's definitely on my bucket list too. Uh, I just need to find the time to do it. Yeah. It's a big learning curve, man. I found some great tutorials online and things like that, but it takes a lot of time. And as you know, if you have a day job and you're doing podcasts, which you do, uh, and you have a family too. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot you have to do. Uh, so if you squeeze in one or two hours a week of it, I mean, I think over time it can, it can start tacking on, but it still takes quite a bit of time. Yeah, no, I can imagine. I mean, the other thing I want to do also is eventually some sort of WordPress plugin. That sounds kind of fun. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. when you get it done, let me know. Cause I probably installed a million of those in my day. <laughs> my only fear ironically is the uh, tech support. Yeah. Right. I, so it, I'm always like, okay, I'm going to install this plugin and I just hope to God it's not one of those 10% that just doesn't work out for me. And then I have to go back and find another one. <laughs> you never yeah. Know. WordPress is a creative monster, man. It's, it's a pretty powerful beast. Yeah. Fun stuff though. Yeah, definitely. So Steve, if, if, if you could spend a little bit of time creating something with anybody from the past or present, who do you think it would be and what would you create? And this can be on the tech line. This doesn't have to be like a, you know, piece of art or a musical composition. Um, what do you think would be a project that you'd be extremely interested in being involved in? And I know you mentioned that hardware software project earlier. Mm -hmm. Do you have anybody in particular that you would want to work on that with? Any person in particular? Yeah. So I grew up with uh, this, this buddy of mine and we had always talked about starting some sort of business together. Right now he's actually, he actually quit his job and he went back to business school of all places. Really? So yeah. I mean, he's like the oldest business school guy ever. I think he's the oldest one. And uh, <laughs> it's like uh, that Rodney Dangerfield movie. Uh, I can't remember what it is, but but yeah. And so maybe when he gets out, we'll, we'll uh, think about starting something together. Should be fun. <laughs> yeah, you just have to give him a big high five before and after, because <laughs> you just never know. So do you do you do everything in particular every day to keep your focus? Um, let's talk about more of the blog and the internet marketing stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, since you have so much going on, I think you're a good person to ask. Do you ever have to step away and kind of regroup yourself or do you actually have things in place that, that help keep you on? Cause you know, I, I have to meditate. I mean, I do every single day and some people like to exercise. Some people drink heavily. Some people hit the bong. <laughs> some people play slap the bag with the box wine, maybe read a book. Uh, I don't know. Any of this stuff ring a bell for you? You know, before I started my podcast, it was actually pretty chill. I was yeah. spending maybe five hours a week. So my wife runs the e-commerce store full time. Uh, I ha- I used to devote maybe just one day out of the week to help with whatever feature the website needed or whatnot. But just writing articles and supporting the online store course pretty much only took like five hours. It wasn't until the podcast that it started taking more time. You know how it is, right? You got to schedule with people. You got to chat with them. You got to do the research and then put together show notes and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So for me... Uh, the way I get around not going crazy is I 
I lift, and then I play ultimate. So those are my two kind of physical activities that kind of relax me. Ultimate frisbee. Yeah. Nice. You don't hear a lot of people that play that out here, so it's good to hear that. Yeah, nice. Yeah, you know, the reason why I started is because I started getting injured all the time, and ultimate is like this good blend of having to sprint all the time without there being physical contact, so to speak. Yeah, so that's why I like it so much. Yeah, I played a lot of disc golf, like um, I guess you would call it frisbee golf, but it's, have you ever played that? Yeah, disc golf is great. Yeah, do they they make you pay out there? To play disc golf? Yeah, in California. Nah, you just go to a field, man. Everything's uh you can just make it up, right? As you go along. Well, I mean, they actually have courses. I've never played on a course before. Oh yeah, no, they have like, you know, eighteen whole courses with baskets and they're actually landscaped and stuff. Hmm, but wow. It, it's free out here, but I remember when I lived in San Diego, they had a course down there and they made you pay like four bucks every time you wanted to play it. And it was just like, really? Hmm. I've never played on a full course before. I didn't even know they existed, to be honest with you. Oh, man. So, There's like a professional league and everything. Is that right? Out here in California? Okay. I'll have to go uh, check there, it out. There, There's a league that goes all over the United States and probably out of the country. But, um, yeah, man. You, you, there's There's got to be courses all over out there. Okay. Just never bothered to look, I guess. Yeah. It's always fun to go play, especially if it's free. You can just walk up and diddle around and it's a good thing to take your you can take your family out there too i'm not sure how old your kids are but i'm sure they'd have a blast yeah not quite at that age yet they're still young you never know could be like superman or he man (laughs) (laughs) i know like the guys who are hardcore disc golf they have like an array of like nine discs or whatever depending on the situation Oh, some of them have like 30 or 40 it's insane (laughs) yeah it's insane they all do something a little bit different i'm i only carry three all right that's that's where i stop but (laughs) uh, you know the putter the mid-range and the driver that's about it yeah well back let's hop back to to your wife and your business that you have going yeah with the uh, store because i think it's really fascinating uh, do, do you think that this is something that is going to be picked up by quite a bit of people that follow your podcast? I mean, I feel like it, I talk to people more and more about how they're diving into product development. Mm-hmm. Um, and then not only that, but actually having these products built and then kind of drop shipped. Um, so Typically, when you guys set this process up, are you even really touching the products, or are you? Are you, I know you said you had ordered a mass quantity and then you resold them, so I'm guessing you had the products there. Do you do you ever look into setting up these systems where, um, you know, you create this product, you get people to order it and buy it, but you never even really have to see it or or spend any time shipping it? Yeah. So what you're probably talking about is drop shipping, and you know, a lot of people are attracted to drop shipping, right? Because you don't have to carry any inventory. Problem with drop shipping is that one, a lot of people are probably selling the exact same product, which kind of puts a squeeze on your margins. And then two, the margins in themselves are much less, right? Because you're not the one fulfilling the product. There's a cost associated with that. So yeah. usually the vendor will charge you a drop ship fee and generally give you less margins. Okay. So what most people do is they start out drop shipping, find out what kind of sells well, and then they start carrying inventory for the products that sell well. Right, so they can get a, extract a greater profit out of it. Ooh, that's a good idea. Now, other people, like if they don't want to worry about inventory, they can actually go have their products made somewhere else, 
and ship them to Amazon and have Amazon do all the fulfillment. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's a whole bunch of different options. Um, In general, I advise people if they're going into e-commerce to make sure that they have their own website and not rely on the Ebays and the Amazons and that sort of thing. Uh, Best way to make money is to actually have your products manufactured somewhere, whether it be overseas or some other country. Uh, just because you can slap your own brand on it and in the long term having your own brand is is always to your advantage. Yeah. You got you to gotta be the brand Mac daddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I never put it that way, but yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, it's something that I, I've actually never really pushed my brand into my podcast or anything in the past. And I'm starting to actually rebrand some things and actually put my own personal side up and things like that. Because I think it is extremely important. Um, but when you look at the products that your your students have that you've seen become successful, is mm-hmm. it a range uh, from prices? Let's let's take that for example. Like what what kind of a range have you seen from from like very cheap prices like handkerchiefs to what what would be like the most expensive thing that you've seen work through this process? Well, in general, my guideline is anywhere from fifty to about two hundred bucks is generally a good price point. Anything higher than that. And people are a little more hesitant to buy something online, you know, kind of as as like an impulse buy. And anything kind of in like the $20, $20 range will tend to be, I mean, you'd have to sell a lot of product to make a significant income that way. So it's a trade-off, yeah. Um, In terms of the most expensive thing that a student has tried to sell, I think the most expensive thing was... uh, a fire pit, an outdoor fire pit. And I actually have not followed up. Yeah. I mean, those are all drop shipped though. Yeah. So, um, you actually make a decent amount of money per sale, but the sales are, the sales cycle is obviously much longer. Yeah. We're not fans of drop shipping around here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. If you're a drop shipper, we love you. Uh, all right, man. So if you had to battle Godzilla, you know, the big ugly bastard. How do you think you would use your talents or your entrepreneurial skills to defeat that crazy bastard? I'd probably start singing, right? Yeah. In, in honors course, right? They told me to mouth the words, probably because I wasn't <laughs> yeah. singing that well. So maybe I'd piss Godzilla off that way. I think he um, his ears to bleed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, that's an odd question. I've never been asked that before. What would I, would I do? I would hope that you hadn't been asked that before. That would be really awkward if I got somebody on here and asked them that and they were like, yeah, I just got asked that on the last show. I mean, dude, have a little originality, will you, Heath? I mean, seriously. <laughs> I'd be like, damn it, you busted me, man. Yeah. That's so. a good question. I don't, I don't even know how to answer that. Uh, oh, what that was would a pretty I... good answer. Most, oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I think every single one of the answers I get is something ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, I've had some people go on some tangents about it, um, but usually it's it's tr- straight, quick to the point, and it's just a funny question I like to throw in for the hell of it. <laughs> I mean, it's not, like I, I do ask ridiculous questions sometimes, but it's just all for excitement. Like I've I've asked people, uh, I asked this one dude one time. Uh, I just asked him when was the last time he was doing something creative and he farted, and he just like, <laughs> he just like stopped for a second and was like, um. I guess like 15 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
And I'll tell you know my girlfriend about some of those questions, and she's like, "What the hell is the matter with you? Why would you say that on the interview?" And I'm like, "Well, you know, it's a podcast. You can pretty much do whatever you want." That's true. And that's the beauty of it. So, love connecting with amazing guests like you, Steve, and I really appreciate you spending the time to come on the show, man. Uh, it's been a blast. I hope that we were able to, to get some value out of this for the audience. I think we sh- we were. You're the first person on that I've ever talked to. I think about doing e-commerce like that, man. Oh, cool, man. Yeah. It's kind of got me interested in it. I've been talking to my friend Jason that I was talking about earlier, and and it's something that I would I would love to get into some kind of passive income, you know, setting mm-hmm. up systems like that. And I think that's yeah. one of the keys. That's why apps intrigue me too, because if you learn how to do it and you're ahead of the curve, then you could potentially make some money doing that. And and it's not it, it, it's not that there's anything wrong with trading time for money, but when you when you do things like like I do a lot of web design for small businesses uh-huh. and man, when you're, when you're trading your time for money, it's just not nearly as cool as it could be. If you're, if you're creating passive income and creating information products and things that will sell even when you're sleeping, mm-hmm. um, because I think that's really what gives you the opportunity to spend all the time with your family. Um, you can still make money and know that you're having uh, a good income coming in to support that family. Or, you know, for me, I want to be able to travel around the world and, you know, nomad from the laptop Mm-hmm. And I think that those are some extremely intriguing outlets to go down. Uh, so especially how you stumbled upon it with with basically just, you know, looking for something that you needed and then finding out that it was going to light up like that. So, I mean, let me tell you why I like physical products. I mean, people think that they're a hassle, um, but that in itself is the appeal. People are less likely to go into it because it's more of a hassle, um, unlike blogging or niche sites where anyone, like the barriers to entry are, are really low, right? You just throw up a website and all of a yeah. sudden, you know, you got another competitor. Yeah. So that's how I got in. I just started posting pictures of myself and my Daisy Dukes and <laughs> I had some traffic going. It was a lot of hate mail, but I had some traffic, you know? <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> I, I don't even want to know what you look like now. <laughs> I'm going to find you on Facebook and you'll find out, man. <laughs> But yeah, dude, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm pumped up to see where this takes you in the future. I wish you all the success with your family and that California lifestyle out there, a little ultimate. Be safe when you're lifting weights, bro. That shit can be dangerous. I know. I'm getting old too, so got to be more careful. Keep practicing the Taekwondo. Keep on with the tech, man. And everybody out there, make sure you do something crazy every day. Fist pump, run around with your pants down in front of your neighbor's house. Uh, surrender to your passion. Practice, practice, practice. Get a guide. It's the one of the five keys of mastery. Visualize the outcome. Play the edge. And like I always want to say, break the rules, but first break the rulers, Steve. Right on, man. And always remember to keep it funky. And thank you so much for being the Archipreneur now. Thanks for having me, Heath. Real pleasure, man. Had a good time. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Archipreneur Now. For all the show notes, it's artsynow.com. If you want to be a guest on the show, email me at create at artsynow.com or on Twitter at HB underscore Armstrong. The music? Well, that's shaky feeling. Check them out. Ventura, California. Ta-ta! Keep it funky.